Kia ora. Welcome to Cinema in Context, as we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name's Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chen. And I'm Max Tarrant. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some kind of connection in between. So it could be the same director, the same actor, same genre. And this month, we're discussing Arrival, which came out this year, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which came out in 1977. And the connection between the two is that they are both first contact alien films. So, yeah, William, do you want to give us a bit of a, a rundown on Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Sure thing. So, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, in a year that is uh, pretty awesome. So much good stuff came out in 77. Uh, so, Richard Dreyfuss play, plays a man called Roy, who, after a Close Encounter of the Third Kind, uh, starts having visions and just this, this sense that he needs to be somewhere where he shouldn't be. Um, this, the sense that there's an alien presence, that something is coming and something is communicating with us, although no one, not he, nor the military, nor the scientists, knows exactly what it is. Nice. Max, do you want to give us a rundown on Arrival? So Arrival's come out this year, 2016. It's directed by Denis uh, Villeneuve. Um, this is a film also about first contact, obviously, it's, but it's more than that. It's a personal story about a woman... Um, dealing with hardship, dealing with uh, relationships, and she gets picked up by the U.S. government to uh, come and be a translator as they meet these uh, new aliens, um, and she strikes up a very close relationship with one of the men there, and uh, we see how that develops as it goes along, and time is involved in a very deeply important way. Um, and this is basically the director who's on such a roll at the moment. Um, all his films have been amazing, so we're all watching what's going to happen next. And he's probably produced another um, banger just here. He's produced before... Um, what did he start off with? Um, Prisoners. 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 Mm, oh, he, he had a few... Like slightly smaller films before that, but then he's had Prisoners. I love And he prisoners. had Enemy before, uh, after that. And Sicario. Um, and then he had Sicario, so which kind of has been hugely popular. Mm -hmm. And then he will be producing, uh, directing uh, Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner. Maybe 24, uh, 2046 or 2049. 2049. Well, it's 30 years. It's a 30 year gap, isn't mm -hmm. it? I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. It's my like third biggest film. And I was really. Really, uh, oh, I mean, the thought of a sequel of Blade to Blade Runner is really worrying to me mm -hmm. because there's such an ambiguity with the mythology of Blade Runner that producing a sequel has the potential to put a stake in the ground for some of those really vague questions, which I love that about the original yeah. film. Yeah. However, the fact that it's this guy, uh, and what's, we were sort of struggling over his name before, weren't we? Denis Villeneuve. Denis. 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 Ah. Um, he's he's uh, French-Canadian. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I a little bit happy about it, really. <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to it. Especially if he brings his team uh, of cinematographers that he's, he's worked on with both Arrival and uh, Sicario. So Roger Deakins and then uh, Bradford Young for Arrival. Holy moly, these are beautiful movies. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a treat. Yeah, and just the fact that he's um, careful with you know he produces these aliens in this film with a lot of research and he doesn't go overboard. He leaves us in the dark a bit. Um, you know he he creates the atmosphere around them, not just kind of 
chucks the aliens out there and we find out as much as possible about them. It's more about kind of intrigue and and uh, experiencing contact with something different. And I think that could be brought to the to the more hardcore sci-fi mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've kind of just already jumped into it. I will say that we are missing Sarah, Sarah at the moment. She's not well at the moment, but she will. Um, she's busy on on a, a first encounter of her own, trying to find her voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll have her back for our next podcast. Um, but just on, on your point, Max, I um, I think that's the tension with a good alien first encounter film is that you're being mysterious, you're not revealing what the aliens are. But then the the difficulty is is the payoff. Because ultimately you want to see the aliens, but the build-up is so massive that how do you how do you pay that off? Yeah, which is probably a good segue into Close Encounters. Yeah, I, well, I find both Close Encounters and Arrival are very methodical in how they do it. Um, especially Arrival, it, at times it feels like a um, um, so, some sort of procedural. Uh, so we follow the Amy Adams character Louise, and she's a linguist. And so much of the movie is through her point of view, mm. um, and step by step by step, how the government is dealing with it, how the militaries of the world are dealing with it. Uh, in contrast, Close Encounters, I think, is a much more—it's um, much more about emotion rather than the constructs around us, uh, how society will deal with it. Um, but even so, the the film progresses at such a well, to me, such a nice pace. Um, Close Encounters. Close Encounters, Oh yes. my god, the pacing is it, amazing. It's almost perfect. I mean, okay, it is perfect. Uh, everything just feels right. Um, you spend enough time with these characters and see where they're coming from so that what comes next, it makes sense both in terms of the structure of the movie, but also, more importantly, in terms of the characters themselves. And I, I really, really appreciated that. Mm, I, I watched the film for the first time a couple of years ago and was not that impressed because it, it has become this it's become a, a, you know one of the great films of the last sort of 30, 40 years mm-hmm. but yeah I would agree I rewatching it I think going into it with those expectations I just absolutely loved it and you talked about how the arrivals from Amy Adams' character's point of view, mm-hmm. Close Encounters is very much... It reminded me a little bit of um, Independence Day and in that you could see Independence Day was pulling from Close Encounters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that it was hopping around the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a number of different characters. Um, and, and what struck me as well is that you had these, these little vignettes of the scientists or whoever they were that were going around to the different locations around the world, mm-hmm. flicking back to the Richard Dreyfus key storyline. Family stuff. Family yeah. stuff. And then the, the climax of the film is not really Richard Dreyfuss's climax. It's the scientist's mm-hmm. climax. And I thought that, that structure was really interesting. And it worked. And they built it They built it into the film in a really nice way. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Richard Dreyfuss, he gets the emotional payoff, payoff of the film. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was It really is well interesting. Structured. And it's interesting because it, uh, people online are kind of talking about how it feels a bit like he's, he does a nasty on his family. That, mm-hmm. without spoilers, um, I'll leave it there. Richard Dreyfuss. Yes. Well, I think we we, we yeah, talked about no, the same. Okay. Okay. Retrospective films. I think yeah. we can spoil, but the okay. So, ones, so Richard Dreyfuss does end up going away with the aliens, kind of uh, satisfying his great curiosity um, for the unknown, um, which is some people talk about as a kind of metaphor for for Steven Spielberg in his younger days, kind of really just following this curiosity into an unknown space. Um, and, it, and he leaves behind his family. His family's already kind of said that they don't want Richard Dreyfus, But it does feel like this movie's kind of been built up as 
a drama with lots of relationships involved, and then Richard Dreyfuss goes, kind of, bye, stuff that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and, my... And, 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 and yet it's satisfying. <laughs> that's my biggest uncomfortability with the film, which actually, in rewatching it, it was actually one of the most interesting parts of the movie. But that's, yeah, we were talking about this on our, our Facebook chat, and I, that was the thing I said, wasn't it? You know, enjoy watching a film about... You know your obsession becoming more important than your family. Yeah, but I think in rewatching it, I was really thinking, what is Spielberg? What is what is he exploring with this? Yeah. Because is it just a product of him wanting to have a first encounters film, or what is the, what is the subtext? And I mean, I was reading into it. It could be anything from a mental breakdown to someone dealing with um, something like bipolar disorder, where mm-hmm. you're kind of you know highs and lows, like the way he gets obsessed mm-hmm. with creating this this model of the mountain and it's really really um traumatic for his family yeah. that scene where um it's amazing where he's sitting at the table and it's the you know it's the famous scene where he scrapes the mashed potato away from mm. the mm-hmm. from the to form the little mountain and his son is just crying in the background yeah and i think my gosh this is this is the same as as a, as a parent going through early stages of dementia or mm-hmm. or someone having a having some weird break in the middle of dinner and, and just the oh nice. my gosh my yeah, kids right. my dad's gone insane like yeah and, and then it turns out not to just be his his family that are affected you see the the neighborhood gather around and mm. see this guy as an outcast and something yeah. that's not quite right he's, he's ripping up other yeah. people's lawns yeah, to, yeah 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 I, yeah i mean i haven't said yet and it's not hugely important but I did find it to be, it was worthy of that film of the last 30, 40 years. I also, I actually haven't seen it before Mm. going into it. Mm. And I was just amazed. It was so pitch perfect. It was, like you say, the pacing's brilliant. I was just trying to think then, is there anything that we don't like about it apart from that ending? Is there anything that's not done well? The music's fantastic. The music is fantastic. the, The shots are outstanding. Um, the, the, okay, the cinematography is when I uh, yeah, the cinematography is so good and it won the Academy Award for that. Mm-hmm. Which interestingly, Star Wars wasn't even nominated, so maybe they felt it was too special effects heavy. Oh. Um, but yeah, the cinematography, like that shot where he's he's making the model in the in the in the room, mm-hmm. and then the camera's just in the bottom corner, yes, and then you yeah. see no, it on exactly the TV. The shot. It's so good. Oh, which which is about there's some symbolism here that um, what they're following is it, it's an alien, but it's also tightly interwoven with pop culture there's a mm. lot of TVs we see the um, the mountain through the TV a, a lot uh, of so um, it's, it's diegetic music from the TV as well yeah. um, from different theme songs of, of TV shows yeah. and ads and stuff like that Yeah, it, it's such an important part of the soundscape of the film overall yeah. and the, the scene with the, the boy and the toys all going crazy yeah. and, and also just the appliances going nuts mm-hmm. which is terrifying it's mm-hmm. quite a, actually that's one thing I will say is that there were a lot of things in this film that and maybe it's why I didn't appreciate it the first time around. They've since become cliches. You know, this film has got some really cool ideas in it about how aliens could show themselves before they actually arrive. You know, with the electronics going haywire, with this strange telepathic communication where mm-hmm. they've all got this this music and this mm-hmm. image of this this place that they're going to arrive, mm-hmm. um, and and just the various. Um, Things happening around the world as well, yeah. like the the, the the sort of set up tropes that we've since become used to. Mm-hmm. You know, can we go, go back to cinematography for just one moment? The lighting in the movie is yes. amazing. Oh just the use of light and shadows. How about that shot quite early on? They're on the ranch, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like the sun's either just going down or just coming up. And it, I don't know how they capture it because I don't see it these days in cinematography. But mm-hmm. it just has this aura across the land yeah. and it makes the ranch look really warm and 
and yet also isolated. Mm-hmm. The sp- I love I love a good split focus as well, which oh, is, yeah. is you know is a, is a sign of the seventies. Mm-hmm. But again, that was in the mashed potatoes scene as well, where he's um, oh, I can't quite remember. Is he? Is it his face? Maybe that's where the sun. Maybe the, the split focus is when mm-hmm. the sun's crying. But yeah, just and then the wife. I feel sorry for that wife in terms of yeah. she. She kind of is. She's not quite villainized, but she, you know she's she's not portrayed in the most. She just doesn't get it. Yeah. She just doesn't get yeah. it. And and the reality is, the reality is like his whole family's destroyed. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick, really. He's does does he family. does he hate his family? Because at the beginning of the movie, um, he's not that nice. Hey? He is uh, the whole Pinocchio yeah. thing, and he he seems just to not like his kids. Uh, he teaches his son math by relating it to a train wreck. It's do, yeah, and do, do you think his overall view? Do you think metaphor. A, do you think his overall? Hopefully, not the same metaphor from the famous Hitchcockian metaphor of going through the. Tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. Does Does he look upon this? Does Spielberg look upon this as a positive thing? Hmm. I don't know. That's why I couldn't figure out. I couldn't. That he's chasing I think, his passion and his obsession. Because mm. it is so. It is mm. so violent in some ways as well. And mm. so so. And uh, yeah, he's he's on his own little journey. Very mm. individualistic. Very American of the you know. Yeah. And he has that. Um, I forget her name, but she got nominated for an Academy Award for it. The 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 woman who loses her son. Oh yeah. Oh, um, um, uh, Jillian, the 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 character. Yeah right. Yeah. And they have that. They have a kiss at the end of the film. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, it's just it is that's really strange. Weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess to flip that, she's she's very much about his son, and mm-hmm. and, and that's the motivation for hers is her getting his son back. Yeah. Um, her son is creepy, man. Yeah, did you see that uh, uh, Kubrick wanted him for The Shining? Really? Because he, he, they called him One Take Danny, or whatever his name was. Um, obviously, Danny's the, the yeah. Shining kid. Um, but yeah, One Take Jerry or something. And uh, he, he was just fantastic. And, and for whatever reason, he wasn't in, in The Shining. <laughs> so let's move on to Arrival. Um, yeah, what connections do we see there? I mean, Close Encounters is such a formative film. Like you said, it's Independence Day has, because we did Independence Day previously on this podcast, has all these um, aspects of Close Encounters, and we see it again in Arrival. It's, yeah. It just it, jumps it, out at you. When a, you're uh, looking for them, they just jump out at you constantly. Like, sorry, you go. Oh, I, there's even an explicit reference to uh, Close Encounters with the bird in the cage. I thought that was... Right. Oh, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like that. Actually, you're, you're, talking, about, you're talking more about Independence Day, then, weren't you? Yeah, but, well, yeah, I mean, but, the big ship coming over, mm-hmm. this, you know, Independence Day kind of looks at that and goes, wow, that is just, the feeling when that happens is just so, um, so in your body mm-hmm. that we're going to just multiply it a thousand and I, times. And we talked about when we did the Independence Day podcast that, um, you know, they wanted to take that those tropes and then just make them go and kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, why they were so friendly, let's just make them kill everyone. But no, in terms of arrival and the, little, and the bird, it's a lovely little detail that they don't explain. No. I mean, they explain, obviously, through the, the scene where um, uh, Amy Adams' character looks over the bird and then decides to take off her suit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but in terms of explicitly explaining it, it's just a nice little detail. And then I guess when I... Because you know, I, I, I watched... Rewatch Close Encounters after I saw Arrival, ah, so I was like, "Nice, oh right, there's a nice connection there with the birds <laughs> in the cage." Yeah, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed Arrival. Um, went to see it with a colleague, and we, I think we both agreed it wasn't as good as we wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but it was really, really good. Mm. Um, it's tight, it's well woven, 
Um, everything makes sense in terms of just both story and character. The effects are amazing. The score is amazing. Yeah, just a, a real solid, like, deep science fiction genre film. My, my issues with the film, and I agree with you, I really liked it. My issues were, um, you know, it was a really slow-paced film, which I really liked that. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were struggling with keeping it interesting. And so there were certain plot points, <laughs> and I don't want to spoil anything. It's not major spoilers, but there, you know, there were certain moments where they tried to infuse it with some sort of action or some mm-hmm. sort of drama that mm-hmm. just felt like... Oh gosh! Like, I, I know they needed it because I don't really. It probably would have been a really, really boring film without it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like it was in conflict with the mood that they were going it for. Is uh, one of these scenes? Does it involve a literal ticking clock? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. I just felt that it was quite forced. <laughs> um, I, every time one of those scenes appears, I I always think back to uh, Team America: World Police, where. Kim John Eel's like, ah, a ticking clock! <laughs> I found, yeah, uh, overall, it's hard not to like it. It's, it's, it is really well-produced um, film, and it is relatively... Considering how many things they try to take on in it, they've got all these issues. You've got a personal story, you've got a global issue, you've got philosophical issues, um, and they, they do pretty well to tie that together. But looking back, it's the, and the comparison is good between this and Close Encounters. Mm, mm-hmm. Close Encounters weaves those issues together more tightly than this does. Yeah. By the end, like just more looking back on it, um, I felt a little bit like it got a little bit messy. There's mm. some of the global issues I think were oversimplified. Over, yeah, and, and overstated mm. or something yeah. like mm. they kind of. Yeah, definitely oversimplified. Mm-hmm. Definitely oversimplified. I like that they were trying. They were trying to have a commentary on the current yeah. divide that is happening in the world, um, or or maybe that's not fair because we are. You know, countries are relatively united in comparison to other parts of history. But you know, I think about you know that, that tension between having to work together for the greater good, yeah. but still individual government cultural differences sort of separating us but I agree with you it was, it was pretty on the nose the, yeah I mean the moment without spoiling it but for anybody that has seen it the moment at the end that kind of um, changes things um, is super like it's like a, it could be an action film a really bad action movie where, where she whispers in the air and then there's um, there's like united flags in the background yeah I mean that's, be nice that's pretty nice. Ba- it's pretty bad really in some ways I thought well, although I, I, I guess I guess so like, yeah, I hear what you're saying but I feel like they earned they earned that because um, I'll tell you why mm-hmm. I'll tell you one of the things that I loved is that Amy Adams was so flipping good in this film yeah. I think she did such a good she job she grounds it and she sells yeah. all of the kind of I mean it's an alien film it's going to be goofy mm. I hear it's a, it's, it's, it's a pretty um, corny Mm-hmm. I was trying to talk very just cryptically. So, yeah. so kind of individual, like individual agency. One person yeah. can, yeah. In, in, in such a in such a single moment, just be like, "What? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I've tied everything up." Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Max, I I agree, but I also agree with you, uh, Jeremy. I, I think that that scene, um, it, to me, it felt very, it felt earned, but also overblown. Um, mm. And so, on the one hand, I mean, just from what has transpired and what, how we understand the, the plot mechanics, I do think that a, a scene where it shows all the countries working together and peace being you know, obtained within 18 months, which is what they said, 
it, it does make sense in the context of the movie and what what happens in the movie, although it does not make it any less silly. Mm. Um, but it's you know two sides of the same coin. I don't mean it works a little bit because as well they're not the film's not saying this is this is all that your focus is, is mm. on. There's other things that are far more important, and mm. that's no spoiler that the global issues aren't going to be the the thing that really carries this movie through to the end. Mm. My, my, I mean, I, I mean, we're kind of picking things apart, but yeah. I, think, I, I still just want to reiterate that I really did love this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the only major thing that made me go oh, was in the middle of the movie. <laughs> was in the middle of the movie. I love those moments. Of films. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Um, in the middle of the movie, there was a montage, which I didn't mind. The montage, like mm-hmm. it jumped, you know, that you know they have the initial contact with the aliens, and then there's like, and then we spend all this time figuring out their language, and now we kind of generally get it. This, mm-hmm. The gist of the twenty second montage, whatever it was. What I didn't like was that it was voiced over by Jeremy Renner's character. Mm-hmm. It was the only time he had voiceover in the film, and I thought, oh my gosh, what a shift away! Because up until that point, Amy Adams had been doing the voiceover, mm-hmm. and it was the, it was a you know voiceover done well when it's just kind of giving you glimpses into their psyche as opposed to telling you what is happening or what to think. But his voiceover, I was like, why did he have to be the, why did it have to be voiceover? Why did he have to come in and do it? He hadn't voiceovered up until that point, and he mm-hmm. didn't again. Interesting. It just felt really jarring, and I, I just thought, oh, you guys could have done, you could have come up with something. You could have come up with something else. <laughs> well, for me, the jarring thing was the military. Um, and so I, I don't, I think it's a spoiler to say that the military, for the most part, is pretty, like, it's not very helpful. There's the CIA always looming over their shoulder. Yeah, like, it's, like the, it's like the idiot person yeah, in charge. Like, uh, stop by, like, wait, oh, I'm going to walk, talk into a walkie-talkie. <laughs> um, and then uh, Faust Whitaker, who plays the general who is, um, who's sympathetic to Amy Adams' cause, mm. he starts the movie as such a, like, police chief. It was like, no, this isn't what you You have ten seconds. And just real clip, like, oh. You want to do this? Well, that doesn't make no sense. <laughs> and he is so out of place with uh, both in tone and in how everyone else is reacting. Um, and it just felt really, really archaic, uh, prehistoric, I guess, in terms of just cinema. Oh, yeah, here's the, the military and they yeah. have no idea what's going mm. on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, very, very cliche. A bit unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. In terms of connections with Close Encounters of the Third Kind, beautifully shot as well. Mm. Just incredible. And there was that great, I love that shot um, when they first reveal the, the ship and it just sort of, the camera's just going through clouds and moving along and then it sort of mm-hmm. like comes yeah. and then it, then it sort of just turns away from the ship mm-hmm. and then just focuses on the army base. Um, really impressive. And the music was fantastic. Oh my Really, gosh. really great. I mean, when you've got John Williams on one hand, who's, you know, mm. brilliant. Yeah. And I do want to talk about John Williams' score in a bit more detail, but um, yeah, just really kind of eloquent, mm-hmm. I thought, a really eloquent score. Ethereal, mm. um, there was a lot of use of acapella, which is pretty cool. I, I did um, notice it, yeah. Considering how linguistics is such a large part of the movie. Um, yeah, really, really good stuff. What did you guys think about <clears throat> having the mechanics of, so they're trying to start uh, communicating with these aliens. And it really um, delves into the actual mechanics of how their language is going to be different from ours in the film. Mm-hmm. How did you guys feel about that? Well, it was good. I, I thought visually they, um, they portrayed how the alien language works in a way that was exciting, but also made sense. Um, it felt like a little, like, not, not putting a bad um, judgment on it, but it did feel for a little bit, it was just like a little science lesson, mm-hmm. you know? And they're just like, okay, 
this is how it works and you're like oh okay that's quite cool it's nifty it's it's an imaginative way that could actually work that mm -hmm. their, their language could be different to ours but maybe just took me out just a little bit from mm. the from the film yeah I didn't have an issue with that I'm trying to actually think what part of the film you're talking about you mean the do you mean the part where they like literally explain to you how it works? Yeah. yeah. Well yeah, that's the part that's the voiceover part with yeah. Oh, is that? oh okay, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I do agree with you then. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I just felt that the way they did it was so jarring and so like and now this is how it works. Yeah. Mm. There's also yeah. a, um another again, it's just the the film is, is great, the themes are great, but it gets a little heavy handed sometimes and a little in your face sometimes. I, I love how for the most part it doesn't hold your hand. But then it just makes the the scenes where it does hold your hand all the more jarring. You know? Yeah. There's a scene at the very end of the movie where someone says something and I went, oh my gosh, that did not need to be I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was a, it was a cliche line, eh? Yes. And you knew exactly a, what this person was going to say yes. once they said the first half of it. Yes. Eh? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So this does, this does actually, having a bit more of a discussion about it, does make me a little bit more worried for Blade Runner, to be honest. Because mm. I think um, Denis is best when he's being philosophical and not um, worrying too much about how the audience is tracking along. And, and, then, the, and then the commercial imperative is going to make that more and more tricky to do. And that's probably what, where this film started to kind of go, you know, having a producer over the shoulder going, Mm, I'm not sure that's clear enough. Yeah, and then he goes, I, I don't okay, know. fine, we'll check this in. I don't know, I reckon it's a writing issue. I think the, yeah. the issues we're talking about are purely with writing. Okay. Um, and the, the actual direction of the film is really impressive. I mean, he's not writing Blade Runner. Mm. So there's a whole team of writers, some really impressive writers that are mm. working on it. So nice. I, I wouldn't worry. I'm not too worried. Okay. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, a film is lightning in a bottle. You know, so many, so many moving pieces have to kind of all fall yeah. correctly yeah. into place that yeah, yeah. you're never really going to know, are you? Mm -hmm. did, how did you guys feel about prisoners? You, you love prisoners. I, well, I, so my experience with prisoners was someone, um, I was talking to someone at the end of 2013 about my top films of the year, and they said, oh, Prisoners is my favourite film. I was like, well, I haven't even heard of this film. Mm. And so I went and got it that afternoon and uh, said to my flatmates at the time, hey, I heard this film's quite good. It's like a thriller. And we were just absolutely engrossed on like a Saturday afternoon. It was really long as well. It was like two hours, mm. 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> and we're like, when is this going to end? And then we got to like, we were, we were really enjoying it. We got to like like an hour 45. And I feel like the movie was wrapping up. And I was like, this film's still got like an hour to go. And then the whole end of the film exploded into something completely different. And I just remember being like, wow, that... I have not experienced a film like that in a long time. That's, it was like a David Fincher film. It yeah, was. Yeah, it yeah. really, really Good was. Call. Mm. Yeah. I haven't seen Sicario, though. Oh, you haven't? No, no it's good either. It's very good. Um, I think similar, similar themes to Arrival in that you have a uh, lone female professional in the field mostly dominated by men yeah, uh, I have going into unfamiliar territory. Mm. Uh, in Sicario, it's the um, drug war across the Mexican-US uh, border. Mm. Um, yeah, very, very good. There are some action scenes which... It it's funny, it feels very video gaming, but in a way that's also really, really cinematic. Mm. And, yeah, awesome stuff. Oh, nice. I, with Arrival, I loved the opening shots where it just emphasizes... Just a, just a segue, but I mm -hmm. love the, um, the shots where it emphasizes her... Isolation, you know, mm. she's alone in these rooms, mm. and yeah. just you know that the grief and oh uh, yeah, I just it was really impressive. So uh, comparing Arrival to another movie, um, how, how do you guys feel it stacked up against Interstellar? Well, I'm not a huge fan of Interstellar. No, neither. <laughs> I, I thought Interstellar was a great film inside a bloated film, mm -hmm. and that there was it really needed to be rewritten 
it was so heavy handed with some of the stuff. Yeah. And it was just too long. I loved the ending. I thought the ending was great. Oh, I, um, I, I didn't like the ending. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought Arrival nailed its ending far better than Interstellar did. Um, everything just felt so much more alive and so much more like... Like it was still going places. Exactly, exactly. Whereas Interstellar was that, that Nolan thing of tying everything up with a neat little bow, uh, which I guess Arrival does as well, but it just didn't feel as forced. Mm. Um, and the emotions were, were more present and you just felt more connected to the characters. See my see my film the the space film that for me has been the best space film in the last I can't even remember like five five years mm-hmm. ten years was Gravity. I mean uh, Gravity for me was like the film I've seen the most in the cinema, and mm-hmm. that to me was like a perfect film. And so I remember watching Gravity, and then like six months later watching Interstellar, and I'm mm-hmm. like Gravity was an hour and a half. <laughs> Interstellar was like two hours forty but, minutes or something. But Gravity's do you, would you say that Gravity's in some ways simpler and less um, more, I mean, more visceral. Ambitious. Less, yeah. yeah. It's more like, that. I mean, that's in some ways a kind of simple film to make. Well, like, it's simple in terms it's, of... It's, it's, it's like the deep water horizon. It's like, just you've got an event that's going to happen and you know what you're making and you're like, so therefore there's so many issues that you're not dealing with um, in terms of trying to keep it together. And so I just feel like, and so I love Deepwater Horizon, fantastic action, and they could focus on getting that right, but mm-hmm. overall it's not as satisfying because their ambition's not. I don't know. I don't think that's, I think that um, that's potentially a misreading of gravity. I mean, the story, or the, you know, in terms of the plot, it's, it's simple mm-hmm. in the sense but the that things it's. You're thinking. But I mean, to get simplicity, you have to be, you have to get, yeah. you have to be yeah. very complicated and you have to true, whistle it down. True. And, and to do and, simplicity well, they, and they were inventing different technologies to be able to film that film. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Sandra Bullock had to be in like a rig, like a rigorous rig, um, for like months. You know, and the, and that's, the fact that's, she's a yeah. single actor carrying that film, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I I I find Gravity incredible, like effortless. It's like effortless that you should, movie. You should watch Deep Water Horizon. I think you'd really like it. All right, similar, mm-hmm. uh, some really great acting carrying it. Um, yeah, mm. I think that Interstellar, like, I think I, I, I never watched it because I just was not. Oh, interested. I just think Christopher Nolan, he he's he's falling into the same category as um, Peter Jackson and George yeah. Lucas, and that they've surrounded they, themselves with the yes man. Yeah, and well, they've just they've built up enough. You know, they, they're, they're relatively successful that they can just their imaginations go wild, mm. or they haven't, or perhaps the people that they've relied on to keep to to bounce their ideas off have become. Yeah. Either left the picture or become a bit more relaxed or sympathetic mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the process is, but it just was so overblown. <laughs> it was so overblown, and there was there was hints of it in in um, the Dark Knight Rises, but yeah. I still really enjoyed that film. Um, well, I mean, kind of tying Gravity back into Arrival, um, I, I actually felt because both Gravity and Arrival, I, I mean, they share a lot of things as well. Uh, most important of which is a main female protagonist who's kind of driven throughout the course of the movie by the death of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoilers for Gravity, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's, re- that's revealed relatively early on. And, and very, very early on in Arrival as yeah. well. Um, and just, I, I feel the, the way that both movies deal with it, uh, I feel Arrival is, is really much stronger. Uh, Gravity is much more overblown in the sense that she... Well, maybe it's just the acting, Sandra Bullock versus Amy Adams. Like, Sandra Bullock is 
these scenes where she's breaking down, she's very, very emotional about it. Whereas Amy Adams mm. reacts in a way that's very icy, very yeah. like it's under cold. the surface. Yeah, she's it's so bubbling. good at that. Like, you can see it there, but mm. yeah. but she is professional enough to not let it affect yeah. her daily going. She's down. got she's mm. got a feeling like she, like you're like God. She could be in tears at any second. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of this resilient woman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I was, I, that's what I said. I mean, Amy Adams is just phenomenal in this film. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was great. Hey, we've talked about before these sci-fis um, throwing back to Steven Spielberg, who first did the kind of thing of focusing on actually the the sci-fi um, curiosity aspect of the alien is actually more um, put to the side in favor of the drama of a human relationship, mm-hmm. and Close Encounters does that perfectly right and it's kind of I thought for a little while I thought the whole meeting of the aliens was a metaphor for actually a man or or maybe a society who's getting distracted from their relationships just there was a particular shot in there that oh, I saw right. where uh, Richard Dreyfus is looking up in the sky and her his his wife is kind of like looking at him yep uh, kind of waiting for a response and he's just like you know so he's, he's oh, well, there's, that, there's so. that great moment where they're trying to have, she's trying to kiss him and then they finally start kissing yes. and it's like yep. he's, it's like he connects with her and then he kind of opens his eyes again while he's kissing yeah. and looks mm-hmm. up in the yeah, sky yeah exactly yeah. So, so that's another thing that it could be about is, is and that's the great thing about the film right is that it doesn't mm. clear any of this up it could mm. be about so many different issues and it's got mm-hmm. so much bubbling under the surface but but Arrival does that, tries to make it about human relationships, mm-hmm. and that for me was a really interesting angle of looking at the film. It's like it is, it's it's the the aliens kind of get built up, built up, built up, and then it does go back to the human side of things. But by that point, I felt too engrossed in the aliens a little mm. bit, and I was wondering what's going on here. And then that kind of gets put to the side, and I'm like, by the end of the film, I'm kind of going. What was the point of that little bit? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, I, I agree. Like by the end of the film, Arrival does the balance does tip firmly in the favor of uh, more psych- human psychodrama rather and than in a quite overt way as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. 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 Um, talking about that connection with you know human connection, uh, you know, being a metaphor, blah blah. Uh, I, I was thinking of Close Encounters as like the anti Jaws, because Jaws, <laughs> you know, Jaws is about a father who's who's bringing his, ultimately keeping his family together mm-hmm. in, in the face of this this horror from the sea. Yeah. Uh, and then Close Encounters is really about a dad who just is like, ah, screw, screw my family, <laughs> I'm, I'm heading off into space. Um, so it seems to be that I think Spielberg is just telling stories about the topics he wants to, but he recognises that grounding it in relationships yeah. is really important. And I guess as, as a, at the, you know, as a, as a young man himself, I don't know if he'd had any kids by that point. I don't, I don't think, think he had so. Any, no, he had, yeah. Because I, I remember reading an interview saying that if he had kids, yes, then yes. he wouldn't. Have, he would have written the the, the he movie have, differently. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't have done it that yeah, way. Yeah, right. He felt completely different by the time he had kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about uh, John Williams' score because he wrote the score before they made the film. Mm-hmm. And it, apart from the very cl- classic theme, the you know the um, five no motif, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> the 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 themes in the film aren't that memorable in comparison to some of his big tentpole with Spielberg, yeah. with Spielberg, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't mind. It's it's, and I've seen other films where, he, where he's done scores where they've just been mm-hmm. score. Like I think with the latest Star Wars film, there were no memorable themes no. that weren't already from the universe. And I think it's probably more to do with the way J.J. Abrams made the film mm-hmm. as opposed to John Williams. Um, 
but just an interesting, just an interesting difference to say Jaws, mm. which was so memorable. Yeah. Mm. You know, well, maybe it was that 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 key the key theme that does get used in the film is so overtly used and. That yeah. he thought, oh, well, if I do another layer under that, it's kind of going to be undercutting. weird or undercutting. Yeah. yeah. So I guess final comments. Uh, we'll start with uh, William. And yeah, William, what do you want to say yeah, about sure. this Sure. Um, I think both movies uh, are really, really strong. Um, Close Encounters, I, I haven't seen in the longest time. Um, I, I think the the thing that really jumped out at me was, uh, unfortunately, it does feel a little dated in places. Uh, these are. Well, obviously, there's a real 70s sheen to the whole thing. But the, the thing that really felt a little out of place, I think, tone-wise, was the um, how the aliens are actually portrayed. I, I don't think we've talked about that yet. Mm. Um, it is done in a way that... I mean, the, the designs of their ships and of mm. the aliens themselves are really, really cool. And the same in Arrival. The, oh my gosh, some, some of those scenes... The, the best scenes in Arrival, I think, is when they actually go into the ship for the first time. And to see how physics is distorted, to see the aliens for the first time, while uh, the Amy Adams character and Jeremy Renner as well are seeing them for the first time. Awesome stuff. Um, but in, in Close Encounters, a lot of it is shot and played in a way that feels very, uh, for lack of a better term, kitty. Uh, there's like a little light that's following two bigger spaceships, um, which feels real Disney-like. Uh, the spaceships are followed with a kind of sound effect, mm. uh, and it doesn't become grandiose until the very, very end. It reminded me a lot of, um, I've written here in my notes, like early 80s or mm. mid 80s uh, sci-fi movies for kids, like uh, The Black Hole, Flight of the Navigator, and yeah. E.T., where there's these multicolored lights, everything is very... Uh, very cutesy, which mm. is weird for a movie like this. And it was only after they got to Devil's Tower, where you see the majesty of it all, and then you see the scale of the uh, the army camp versus the mm. the aliens up top that it became what I wanted it to be, which mm. is something that was more uh, ethereal and uh, and over well yeah overblown. I, I wanted it to be something that was was big and brash and majestic. I wonder if what he's doing there, because this was the first film to do kind of aliens in a more positive light, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. And so I wonder if it's just he needed to really... Well, it was his first aliens film. Right. But, in, like, I mean, but maybe more significantly, in, in terms of all cinema... Compared the first to early, like, alien invasion yeah, films. Yeah, alien invasion films yeah. had always been negative because it's the other coming in. And so to, to, to look at it in positive terms was a big well, step. not necessarily. I think about The Day the Earth Was Still was... We need a robot. Still a threat, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Carry on. Well, anyway, that's what I've heard. But um, and so he had to kind of mm. just softly kind of and give little, yeah, a little <laughs> massage basically to the audience, <laughs> like, oh, don't worry, they're kind of cutesy. It's all right. Yeah. And then it does balance that, and I think enough when I mean this great little scene where um, Richard Dreyfus is in his truck. Oh and, yeah, and they bear down upon him, and there's just the light is like it's like the light is pushing him into his chair. It's, it's really so scary. It's yeah, great. But there's scene. that moment as well where you can, there's like a flash, and it's like that's when he's being imprinted with the memories. That's, yeah. that's why I read it anyway. Yeah, so the, the, yeah. yeah, I can see that as a tension now mm -hmm. for us because we're we're like okay, it's fine if they're good aliens. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have my final words and wrap, wrapping up from this because this is quite a good way to end it. Really, mm -hmm. the the 
we've, we've touched on it. That ending of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when the, when the mothership does come, is so impressive. Like, I was sitting there going, why is this so impressive? And I, I just think, I read somewhere that Spielberg said that the last 25 minutes, editing the last 25 minutes of that film is one of the hardest things wow. he's ever had to do. <laughs> and, and I guess that's maybe part of it. It's just so beautifully and lyrically built up to that moment that yeah. mm. when that mothership arrives, I, for, for a 1977 film, I was really blown away by that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, space films are always fun to watch, whether they're a bit messy. And yeah. so going to see Arrival was just still really great. Hugely worthwhile. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. philosophically, it just has a lot to say about the, the human condition and, and everything else. Mm. Like, it was, yeah, really good food for thought. Um, and it's one of those movies that makes you think, you know, what, what would I do in this situation? Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, that's probably a good place to leave it. Uh, so thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out again in a month's time. In fact... Next month, which will be December, uh, we're actually going to break protocol and wrap up our favourite films from the year. So please check us out then. And until next time, kakete anō.